Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. This is the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach from the three Methodist churches I serve in Camden County, North Carolina are uploaded for you to listen to. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and uh, the sermon you're about to listen to was one I actually delivered on November the 3rd, which we celebrated as All Saints Day uh, at our church. Uh, the scripture lessons at the sermon references, uh, first one comes from uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, 11 through 23, uh, then also the gospel according to Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. So again, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, uh, 11 through 23, and Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 31. God bless. Last Sunday was my Granny B's 90th birthday. I called her on my way from Trinity to Camden last week to talk to her. I'm lucky to have both her and my grandma Audrey still living. Granny B spoke about how blessed she was to be 90 years old and still live by herself, still be able to drive herself, still be able to go out to lunch with her buddies. Blessed to be surrounded by her son and daughter and their spouses and by grandkids and great-grandkids and proud of all that we have accomplished. Growing up, we always went to Granny's church, Granny's after church on Sundays, and she would always ask us, what did we learn in Sunday school that day? In many ways, she helped shape and form my faith and has always been one of my strongest advocates as I pursued my call into ordained ministry. She is one I would certainly call a saint. On more than one occasion, she's told me about having to explain to somebody why I would leave my job as a lawyer to become a preacher. And each time she relays the story, you can sense the pride with which she tells it, as well as her understanding of both listening to and following God's call on our lives. One thing also about Granny is that she has never been shy about providing for her family in times of need. Money for college, help with trips, general needs as they arose, Granny has always been willing to help because she says she would rather us see and be helped here and now and not have to wait for our inheritance from her sometime in the future. She wants us to stay focused on the here and now and making our lives and the lives of those around us the best that we can, without any concern or worry. But she also knows, and has explained to me a number of times, that our true inheritance is far greater than anything tangible or man-made on earth. And so I already had her on my mind when I took a look at the lectionary for this week, and saw that both the gospel and the epistle lesson deal with inheritance, with saints, and with focus. Today on this festival of all saints, we remember two main things. First, we give thanks to God and how God considers all who believe and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, to be saints, while at the same time remembering that from the baptismal font to the grave, we daily, daily succumb to the power of sin that we are all at the same time both saint and sinner. And second, we give thanks to God for the power and the promise of the resurrection and of the new world to come. Now in a moment during communion, we're going to confess with one heart and with one mind and in one voice what we proclaim as the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And because Christ will come again, We all can take comfort that on that final day when we exhale our final breath, when we see the faces of those we love for one final time this side of heaven, 
we can take comfort because we will finally get to see, after years and years of waiting, what we hold in faith, God himself. This first point, the declaration that all who believe and trust in Jesus are saints, we see this promise loud and clear in our reading from Ephesians. The Apostle Paul states that we have obtained Jesus' heritage. We've been predestined through the proclamation of the gospel the way God accomplishes all things according to His will. We've been sealed by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The eyes of our hearts have been enlightened by the message of salvation. All of these statements are true. They're all a matter of fact. There are promises that state what is already the case. You don't earn Jesus' inheritance. Jesus gives it freely to you who have faith. You don't choose God to belong to you. God has chosen you to belong to Him. You don't accomplish God's will. God accomplishes God's will and needs no help from you. And in fact, God's will is going to be done despite your best or worst intentions. And you don't give yourself the Holy Spirit like a diabetic who gives themselves a shot of insulin. You don't climb a ladder up to heaven to find Him. God's Spirit comes down to you to convict and to comfort, to lead you to repentance and saving faith in Christ Jesus. And because our Heavenly Father does all of that for you, He considers you one of His saints because you possess a holiness and a righteousness that is not your own. You possess the holiness and righteousness of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit has placed into your hearts by faith. Now, we still struggle daily with sin in our lives and its power over us from now until we all pass away, but precisely because we look away from ourselves and to Jesus, precisely because we listen and look to God's Word for guidance and all the promises of God, we can joyfully take up our crosses and follow Jesus through all the muck and mess and junk of daily life. And that, friends, is worthy of celebration. And the second point, sisters and brothers, let us all give thanks. Give all the glory, sing to the Lord a new song, sing His praises in this assembly of the faithful because of the powerful promise of the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection from the dead. Over and over throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, one of the things He constantly does is direct everyone's gaze toward the heavens. Like in our reading from Luke's Gospel this morning, after laying out some promised blessings to the faithful, he reminds the disciples with these words, Your reward is great in heaven. And the reason Jesus does that is so that we don't lose our focus. You all might remember the part of Jesus' life where he's walking on water. He tells Peter to walk on water too. and Peter does, but after he goes out a few feet, what happens? He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He begins to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Peter a number of other times throughout his life. Now why would Jesus direct us toward the future reward of heavenly bliss? Doesn't Jesus care about what's going on right here and right now? And the answer is that, well, yes, of course he cares about right here and right now. This is why he promises the great heavenly reward to be received by the faithful. C.S. Lewis writes these words in his masterpiece, Mere Christianity. He writes, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. 
If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Lewis's point here is pretty clear. His point here is about our focus. And the reason this line of thinking is so important is because when we lose sight of heaven, we lose sight of everything else. We lose sight of the fact that our lives are full of meaning and possibility from the moment we are conceived to the moment we die. We lose sight of the fact that this world we live in is a gift of God to be cared for and nurtured. When we take our eyes off the heavenly prize of new life in the world to come, instead of looking at everything through the eyes of faith, we look at everything through eyes clouded with uncertainty and doubt. Your neighbor in need, whoever they are, instead of being someone for whom Christ died, you look at them as just another leech, bleeding you or the government dry. Our community, instead of being a place where the Holy Spirit is at work, transforming lives through the God, is just a place where I live and mow my grass and rake my leaves and nothing more. My job, well, that is just something I have to do to pay the bills instead of being a vocation that God ordained and gave to me out of the abundance of His love. A vocation that God needs faithful Christians to work and toil at so others might see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven because of it. So when we talk about the future reward of eternal life with God for all the saints, we need to steer away from indifference and shallow thinking. And we need to steer away from indifference and shallow thinking because why? Because we'll start acting indifferently as if nothing really matters. And we'll start acting shallowly, treating others poorly, using others as a means to an end. And in this case, the end is not a relationship with God, but a life chock full of self-gratification and self-indulgence. This is why you'll never ever hear me say that you only have one life to live. Not only is it not true, new life in the world to come will be far different and far more beautiful than any of us can realize. But saying you only have one life to live is also the motivation unrepentant sinners need to justify whatever it is they want to do. One of the reasons folks use to justify intentionally giving in to sinful behavior is that, well, I only have one life to live, so I might as well enjoy myself. So when we talk about the future reward of eternal life with God for all the saints... What we need to remember is not only how that promise transforms our thinking and doing and being here and now, but also how that promise gets better and better, sweeter and sweeter, more beautiful and more beautiful each time we hear it. The new heavens and the new earth, our resurrected bodies from dust and dirt, is our happily ever ever. The life we live now is only a cover and a title page of God's unfolding story. Chapter 1 will begin when Jesus comes again, and every chapter after that will be better than the last one. And so, saints, with your hearts and minds focused towards heaven, what will you see in our community with your eyes this week? 
and motivated by what you see, what will you do or say to advance the kingdom? Welcoming another into the family, sharing your inheritance with them. May this time next year we be able to celebrate not only those who have passed to their eternal reward, but to also celebrate more living saints added to our ranks. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Until next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. God bless.